I have a great show lined up for you today. On today's show, I ask and answer the question, must you change your thoughts? Or would it be better and more feasible to change your relationship to your thoughts instead? For the question of today, I answer a question about raising your self-esteem, all coming right up on your favorite podcast show, Cup of Dow, starting right now. You're listening to Cup of Dow with your host, Chris L. McClish. Chris is a man with many roles, many journeys, and one spirit. Hi, glad you could join me today. A goal from a mindfulness perspective is to view thoughts as thoughts so that they don't have power over you. Therefore, my Taoist psychology approach is different than what a cognitive psychologist approach of you must change your thoughts in order to get better would be. If you see a therapist and he or she is a cognitive therapist or a cognitive behavioral therapist, there's nothing wrong with that approach. No cause for alarm. I don't want to demonize it. I do want to point out, though, that even though cognitive behavioral therapy is very popular and effective, it is not the only approach out there that works. To simplify a bit, a pure cognitive approach to clients' issues centers around the clients identifying the irrational or dysfunctional thoughts that the client is having that contribute to depression, anxiety, or whatever distress. Then the therapist and client work together to challenge those thoughts and replace them with more healthy, rational, or functional thoughts. This approach has been shown to work with depression and anxiety and has helped millions of people and will continue on to do so. From a mindfulness perspective, one can learn to distance oneself from the thoughts, to see them as being helpful or unhelpful, and then let the unhelpful ones not get in the way. But it is not always necessary to try to stop, stomp out, or replace those unhelpful thoughts. In other words, cognitive approaches work on changing thoughts, and mindfulness approaches, or at least the one that I use, focuses instead on changing your relationship to your thoughts. Make sense? Let me say that again. It may not be as important to change a particular thought, or even a bunch of thoughts. Instead, we should change our relationship to our thoughts not give them as much credibility and power over us. Learning to observe your thoughts and not letting ones that stand in the way of goals, of doing the things that will make our lives meaningful and which get us closer to the things we value, those are the thoughts that we need to pay attention to and the ones that we need to act on. I call my approach Taoist psychology because I'm so influenced by the Tao Te Ching. I had considered myself for many years as part of acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a wonderful approach, yet because I do a more simplified version of it, including some deviations, I would just rather label what I do as Taoist psychology, but I do want to give some credit where credit is due and say that even though those who know me know I practiced a form of Eastern psychology prior to acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT, I was and continue to be inspired by their founders. If you don't know what I'm talking about with ACT or any of that, it's okay. That's just for those curious therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and social workers out there who might be listening to the show. Unhelpful thoughts are not something that always have to be eliminated, if that's even possible. 
but instead not acted upon. As I mentioned before, sometimes to get around anxiety and depression, seeing depressive or anxious thoughts as obstacles can help, in which case we force ourselves to do healthy behavior despite the presence of those thoughts. I accomplish mindfulness of thoughts and feelings with the simple approach of the four L's. I explained these in a previous podcast episodes, but again, they are as follows. Look, listen, label, and let it be. Look, write down or verbalize the facts of the situation. No interpretations, just like a picture or neutral news article. Just the facts only. Listen. What is your mind saying about the situation? What are your thoughts? What are your interpretations? Label. Label your thoughts as thoughts. Perhaps do some categorizing to determine which thoughts that you have are helpful versus the ones that are unhelpful, regardless of whether they're true or not. Remember that something can be true, but unhealthy. Highlight or circle or focus on the thoughts that are both factual and helpful if you can. Let it be. What can you change about your situation? What can't you change about your situation? Let the things you can't control, the aspects of the situation, the thoughts, anything out of your control, just be. Do what you can that is healthy despite those obstacles, the thoughts, the situations, etc. Get help from outside yourself if you need to on what healthy actions you could take. Time for the question of today. Diane in Liverpool writes, Do you have suggestions for ways to raise self-esteem? Diane, I am assuming that you are speaking of those who have low self-worth and raising their self-worth. Maybe it's just linguistics, but let me toss this out. The idea of improving self-acceptance over self-esteem. We often hear from books, commercials, and other media that high self-esteem is what we need to have. Is that true? Would it be beneficial for you to think of yourself as being great? Obviously, it would be better in life to have inflated self-esteem over having a sense of low self-worth. And if you did have really bad self-esteem, it would be good to counterbalance that by going in a direction of improving self-worth. No question about it. I just want to emphasize a point. Let me use an example to illustrate. Imagine someone standing over your casket at your funeral, saying or thinking, well, she really thought a lot of herself. Or would you rather that person admired your selflessness, kindness, and generosity? Would you truly want them to see you as an infallible person or as a human with weaknesses and still love you despite of those? We all have limitations. We all have flaws. We all make mistakes, some of which were really bad. But what if you loved yourself despite those? Notice I didn't say, what if we learned to love ourselves? That puts conditions on our love. Wouldn't it be nice if you made a commitment to love yourself and you treated yourself as you would treat someone you really, truly love? I would argue that we need more self-acceptance than we do self-esteem. There are too many people out there that demonstrate a high sense of self-importance and entitlement. Now, if you're speaking about depression, that's something I'm going to address in a future episode. 
so stick around and keep listening to the show. That episode is where I will address more specifically ways to deal with depression. Right now, if you feel like you could use improvement in the self-acceptance area, I have some ideas. First, write yourself a letter that praises yourself for all that you have survived, accomplished, and why you admire yourself. Two, I've mentioned this before, but it's worth doing again. Take yourself out on a date. Celebrate yourself by going somewhere nice or getting yourself a gift, within budget, of course, or doing something kind for yourself. Third, do something for someone else as a way of feeling good about yourself. Don't you feel good when you give or do something for others? Fourth, do something every day that will make you laugh or smile, whether it's a comedy movie or whatever fun activity. Do it every day as long as you can remember to keep it up. One thing that my psychotherapy clients appreciated about me is that I offered unconditional acceptance. I also normalized the dark part of themselves that they didn't like or that they feared. People who were very kind people often wondered why they thought bad thoughts, such as when someone cut them off on the highway, you know, wishing the person would get in a wreck for their reckless driving, or when they were angry, they feared their thoughts of harming others. I would help people learn that thoughts are thoughts, and when we don't act on them, we can accept those as part of ourselves that we can't control. Which is why we have this thought machine, it's not always gentle towards ourselves or others, but it's just a thought machine. I know that my views are not mainstream, that you hear that if you have bad thoughts that you're a bad person and that healthy people never have depressive thoughts. But I'm here to call BS on all that, but more about that later. Hope this helps. Thanks, Diane, for the question. Now a few messages before I let you go. Don't forget to subscribe to my show in your podcast player app or to the RSS feed. You can find my email address, contact information, a disclaimer, and more information in the show notes, so please check those out. Be sure and purchase my book, Accepting Life on Life's Terms, Taoist Psychology for Today's Uncertain Times. Look for the book wherever you buy books. Available in written and digital format. That's all for today's show. Join me next week for another great episode. Until then, I hope you have a great week. May peace and love be with you. Thank you. I'll see you later.
Thanks for listening. Have a good day. This podcast is a Coach CMC production. Thank mm-hmm. you.